Ladies and gentlemen, the church basement is burning. And what we're going to talk about today is the state of youth ministry in the local church. And as you can tell by this statement and this analogy, there is something that is happening that the church needs to know about. And what we're going to talk about today is absolutely critical. This is a conversation that I've wanted to have for many years. And this episode, really, in terms of its development, is years in the making. We've got a special guest. We need to get right to it today. So I want to welcome you to this episode of the Thought Factory Podcast. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is the Thought Factory. The Thought Factory Podcast is brought to you by Never the Same. Cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Well, welcome to the Thought Factory Podcast. Thank you for joining us today on this episode. I am one of the hosts, Jason Brewer. I am here with the other host, Jeff Eckert. We also have somebody in the studio. His name is Charlie Elcock. Welcome, Charlie. How are you guys? Charlie, we're doing great. It is so good to see you, my man. We've been friends for a long time. You are a friend, a mentor, a hero of mine in many ways. I know for Jason as well. And you bring years and years of youth ministry experience, 15 years in local church youth ministry full-time, as well as 20 years in the university classroom as a youth ministry professor in Indiana Weston, also a director of youth ministry events. Charlie, it is such a privilege to have you here. Thank you for all you've done in youth ministry. I'm a person that sees a lot of what you do, not only on the surface, which some people that know you know, all the events that you do around the country, all the support, the the literally thousands of students that you've taught face-to-face in a classroom setting as well as pastored. But as your friend and as a person that knows you on, on several levels what you do behind the scenes to support youth ministry and i would say this to those of you listening that might be new to to who charlie alcock is charlie is a person that i would consider in the networks that i know around the country and even around the world one of the foremost influencers in youth ministry in our country in america and around the world you do so much charlie i would just want to thank you for that on behalf of the youth ministry movement, and thank you for for all the things that you do and the resources. And Jason, there's a resource we want to share about what Charlie does with everyone here listening. Yeah, it's one of those resources that are based off of something that you say very, very <laughs> often, <laughs> and it's the Good Days podcast. Oh yeah, it's it's a uh, it's an amazing experience to commit your life to something, and and I've felt my whole life called to that next generation and even at IW now I'm very privileged to work on uh, teams at local churches in fact I've been on three different teams since I've been at IW currently I'm going into year five with the church and so I, I think it's pretty critical to stay connected practically within the university context, within academia. I mean, you have people who are focused on orthodoxy. That's beautiful. The Bible, theology, theology of, of, of uh, understanding how we are pastor theologians in that sense. And then there's the orthopraxy, the practical people. That I, that's the side that I'm on. 
But along with that, uh, uh, one of our friends, Eddie Shigley, is now a professor at Indiana Wesleyan University, and his office is next to mine. And so uh, we kicked off something called Good Days Podcast. So if you with have Eddie en- and Charlie, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. No, no problem, man. Uh, so if you enjoy today listening to Charlie's voice, make sure to check out the Good Days Podcast to extend this experience. It's, yeah. it's a, a rewarding talking to Eddie, like it is hanging out with you guys talking about youth ministry and and its beauty and its design and its its need. Um, how important it is within our culture and in the church. Yeah, so make sure you check out the Good Days podcast with Charlie and Eddie. So today with Charlie, we're going to talk about something that actually I've had this conversation with Charlie for many years and with Jason, and we've had it even the three of us together and with others, but it's the state of youth ministry right now in the church. And what we're going to share today Honestly, is there's not a lot of good news. We want to we want to share some of the causes of what we see of why youth ministry we believe has been pushed to the side and pushed into the corner, so to speak, within the church. But we just don't want to stop there. We want to talk about solutions. So we're going to talk about some causes. Now you might be listening to this, and in this audience, you could be a parent, you could be a pastor, you could be a youth worker or a youth pastor, whoever you might be. We're going to talk about this within primarily the context of the local church and why youth ministry is not maybe what it used to be. And listen, I want a couple things to preface here. We're not going to say we need to get back to the good old days today. That's not what we're about. We're, We're not about going backwards. We're about going forwards. We're also not about bashing the church. We're not about just tearing it down and being negative. This is something that we want to add to the conversation that we feel like is not being talked about, and that is the fact that the church basement is indeed burning, that church basement really being an analogy to represent local church youth ministry and where it's at because we just don't believe it's in a really good or healthy place, but we think it can get there and we want it to get there and we want to talk about solutions to get it there. What I love about that analogy is that the fact that if you don't pay attention to the basement is on fire, it's going to destroy the entire church. It, this isn't hyperbole or anything like that. It's if we are not focusing on what's happening in the youth ministry of the church, that church is going to be destroyed long term. And so as we are, like you mentioned, we're not trying to get back to the good old days to make sure that it's what it was in, in the glory days or anything like that. It's are we aware of what's happening in youth ministry so that we can take care of it so that we can have a church in the future? So let's get to it. We're going to talk about some causes. We've got a list here. And this isn't an exhaustive or extensive list, and this is not not necessarily in order of priority of what we think. But we're going to talk through some causes of why we think youth ministry is in the state that it's in. And let's talk about the first cause here, and that's financial. We noticed something, Jason and I, in talking offline about this area and prepping for this episode, that there's there's a specific point in time where we think that things change for youth ministry. We're going to talk about when that is, and that was in the fall of 2008 now you may you may recognize what happened in the fall of 2008 maybe you don't but what started happening is the recession which is now known as the great recession which really carried us between 2008 and 2010 and i'll give you a specific example i was talking a couple years ago with the denominational leader of a youth ministry and he was telling me that in their denomination 
In 2008, they had 2,200 full-time youth pastors. In 2010, they had 800 full-time youth pastors. And in 2020, 10 years later, they still had that same number of 800. So what happened was they went from 2,200 full-time youth pastors in 2008 down to 800 two years later. And then 10 years later, that number never went back anywhere even close to where it was in 2008. And to me, that is indicative of what has happened in terms of the financial ramifications. Churches cut back their budgets beginning in 2008, and one of the first things, if not the first thing to get cut, was youth ministry, and then it never snapped back. I know for me, when I was a youth pastor, in that period of time, as we were discussing, I recalled I, I stepped into a position where I had about nine staff members in the youth ministry and over the course of 2008, 2009, they left, but it never got backfilled. It never, those positions never got filled again. And, and within two years, it was just me running the entire youth ministry and one assistant. And so as we talk about that period of time, I'm like, yeah, that, that happened to me without realizing like that was because of the great recession or anything like that. But I wasn't paying attention to the church finances and making those bigger decisions, but the bigger decisions were the church has to cut some costs and the people that are leaving, well, that helps us out. We don't have to pay their salaries. And so it just was, I was kind of instructed to just rely on volunteers at that moment. And, uh, you know, large youth ministry was being run by one person instead of nine. You know, Jason, as you're talking about that, uh, um, and I go back to that time frame too, Jeff. Churches, leaders are doing their very best. And you said at the very beginning that, that this is not condemnation. We are not bashing our pastors and our churches. In fact, we're doing the exact opposite because we love and celebrate the church. And we love and celebrate and support leadership in the church. But there are some tough decisions that were being made. And at that point in time, Who's the group that, that really doesn't pay anything? Who doesn't tithe? And we're talking about a group of people that 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 need to be loved and supported and taken care of, but they don't bring back to the church in terms of finances, anything like the older generation. And youth ministry is is not about this ability to have it pay for itself it's not a business transaction ministry to adolescents is purely doing what jesus did and caring for those um that he called to come unto him that that those kids that that he drew to himself but we can't expect them to turn around and pay for their ministry like we see in other areas and entities of the church right when you talk about finances the the return on investment is zero with youth financially like you said they they aren't tithing they aren't giving back and so when you're making decisions as a church you're going well we need to focus on the adults who are paying the bills also now i would say that is true in one sense when you think short term i think when you think long term there's a different perspective here Mm -hmm. like the the book growing young which you might be familiar with i want to highly recommend that you get a hold of this book if you haven't if you're in youth ministry or in church ministry leadership talks about that ROI, that return on investment, 
if you are investing in young people, and I can, I think all of us can speak to this anecdotally in our own experiences, that when you are investing in young people, you end up reaching their families. So you are reaching those tithers. But when you look at, like you said, Charlie, like emergency, immediate decisions that need to be made, your first thought with short term, you know, if you need to stop the bleeding financially, you cut off the things that aren't maybe providing growth or immediate income. And so I think when I talk to church leadership about, you know, should they, I've had churches ask me, should we hire? We don't have a lot of students yet. I say to them, yes, it's an investment. It will take a while, but it will return even financially to do that. But there's no doubt in my mind that 2008 was a a critical point, but but overall, there's been a trend that financially, as churches have struggled, then you add COVID and everything that's happened in the last couple years as we're recording this, the years of 2020, 2021, youth ministry, I think, took another another blow there financially in terms of, of the, the resources that were being cut out. So we know that finances is definitely a cause. Church planning, all right. Church planning is definitely another reason that we have seen a change in the youth ministry prioritization. And all of us here, we've had this conversation uh, together as friends and colleagues, and I've had it with many, many other people in church ministry leadership. But let's talk about this cause for a minute, why church planning has had such an impact on youth ministry. I had a long conversation with... uh what in our denomination we call district superintendents. And when you think about planting, you're talking about going into some context where you've got to make everything happen. And this leader told me specifically, the best recruitment we have for that are people who are in youth ministry. They, they have to manage a lot. They have to, to reinvent the church for that generation and they're used to working with not much and so uh, we love planting churches we celebrate it and again like we're talking about finances this is this is not some negative bash against church planting it is we, something that we love and celebrate however it has had its toll on a generation of people that are in their mid-20s that might be in youth ministry for another five, six, seven, eight years and have been specifically pulled out of that to plant churches. And might I add, even in more of our culture today in many churches, campus pastors. Who are those people that, that are of that age? So all of a sudden we have 28, 29-year-olds, you know, even younger, leaving youth ministry to do a campus pastor role and plant churches. And so this beautiful thing that we love and celebrate, which we all in, um, are a part of in our own context, and and I personally support a church planter right now financially every month, has had a toll on the number of leaders, pastors in youth ministry. Now I would even ask the question about approaching the, the youth leader, youth pastor, the director of youth ministry and saying, Hey, I want you to now plan a church versus the youth pastor going, I feel called to plan a church. And the difference is, is like you said, that youth pastor could be in youth ministry for another decade. Right. 
and and still feel called into that generation. But when somebody approaches him or her and say, I want you to now do this, and it starts to go, well, is that what that person is supposed to be doing? Or am I just doing that because this is my job and I'm supposed to follow lead because you've asked me to do that? And, and yeah, you're right. The youth pastor has the ability to lead volunteers and other staff members and bring in a group of people and work with little. And that's a lot like church planting, but is that person the, the best for it? And you think about how this plays into the financial part. When you're in youth ministry and you are young, um, you're, you're maybe not uh, asking for that higher level of pay financially when you have these other opportunities within campuses and church planting. And now you have a child on the way or two and the opportunity to actually have an income that could support you and your family and your life. And if you're in youth ministry, you know, you can't really get there. But if you take that next step, like you're talking about, Jason, well, now I I can actually afford my car payment and, and my exorbitant amount of school bills that are out there. And there's so much pressure that it, it accumulates on people that helps make these decisions. And, you know, as we talk about this, honestly, if, if you want to have a... a a decent salary in most churches, you must leave youth ministry yep. and go to the next. Oh yeah. And let, let me, what you guys are saying. I mean, I, I'm just on fire thinking about this, talking about it because a lot of people are, and all three of us here, I've had conversations with us. I know many of the youth pastors, we, while we were doing vocational youth ministry full time, we were asked over and over and over Hey, why don't you play in a church? Why don't you play in a church? And I felt specifically called and passionate about working with Next Gen. The three of us here did. We all have the same story. We know many friends that of ours and colleagues that have been plucked out. But let me be provocateur for a minute and say this. And let me, let me just stir the pot here and maybe be the bad cop for a second. If we're going to talk about return on investment, if we're going to talk about just putting on putting on my business hat here for a minute, would it be better to invest hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars in church plants when maybe a very small percentage of those survive. They burn out the leaders. They maybe don't even reach unreached people the way we think they will. They tax our churches and our systems, and they take out good, strong, young, aspiring leaders. Or what if we take that money? What if we take those resources? What if we take that emphasis and we put it on reaching a generation within our churches where are we going to get more return on investment when it comes to number of decisions for Christ, future leaders, you know, um, and emphasis put back into building up our churches that are, for the most part, across the board right now, at least in America, really struggling to survive or to get back to some of the levels of statistics of where they were pre-COVID. So, man, it, it's I'm saying I don't think we're really thinking through our return on investment when it comes to how church planning is affecting our churches and the future of our churches. And let me ask a question that might be provocative as well. Is there any senior pastor that would be willing to pay the youth pastor the same amount salary wise to say, yes, I believe in this area of the church as much with as much leadership to say, I will pay them a, 
a living wage in a sense that is comparable to a senior pastor or one that has established a church already. Yep. So let's keep going. I know we could go on and on with that one, but let's let's talk about another cause, and that's just what I would say is a lack of strong leadership. I think one of the causes where we see youth ministry struggling in general, and again, we're speaking in general terms here, is a lack of strong leadership. We're talking about that from pastors not really giving it the emphasis that it needs, maybe taking youth ministry seriously. We see that in a lot of churches. We work with our organization, never the same. We work with churches all over the country, and we don't see a lot of strong leadership when it comes to emphasizing youth ministry in the church, prioritizing it. We also see youth pastors that maybe aren't as equipped. There's not as many trained people in youth ministry. We're not saying that's necessary, but just my observation is across the board, there's less and less ministry leaders that have been prepared in our churches. You know, Jeff, we have this unique vortex going on. We take the youngest, least experienced people coming out of our colleges and universities, and we pair them with it toughest group of people in the worst season of their life called adolescence. There's not one person at this table right now talking that wants to go back and relive middle school. I can't find anybody in class who wants to go back and be in seventh grade again. And so when you take that group of people that demand so much from us and you pair them with people who just graduated or just entered the ministry field, talk about the perfect storm. And no wonder it's so difficult and tough to, for people to stay committed to something that costs so much. Socially, you have to be with them a lot. I mean, we can go out to Starbucks and hang out and then go our separate ways because we're adults. But when it comes to adolescence, it is a demand. And one of the only entities I know that's very similar to that is coaching. If you're, if you're a high school coach in a sport, I mean, you, you're, you're living with that team. And that's youth ministry. And many of the leaders are only a few years out of high school where you get into youth ministry and you're not much older than the people that you're leading, which which is fine as an adult with maturity. But when you are still figuring things out as well and you're leading people that have the same type of questions that you may have, it can kind of it kind of affect your leadership to them. Next cause, organizational restructuring. We're going to talk about this in several layers here. First, organizational restructure that we've seen in a lot of different places is on a, a pretty high organizational level structurally within ministry, and that's denominationally. So I can speak to my own denomination that I'm a part of that in 2005, we restructured as a denomination, and we went from a structure where a youth ministry leader in our denomination that was that was appointed by our denomination and elected by our, our general church sat at the table on the highest level in terms of our board. That changed in 2005, and structurally, youth ministry was kind of demoted, put down uh, the ladder, so to speak. And I tell you, what we've seen in our own denomination, and and I don't want to speak negatively to my denomination because I love it. It's what I was raised in. I'm a part of it. I'm a supporter in every sense of the word. But I noticed that when that happened, 
our youth ministries and our local churches followed suit. They kind of went down in terms of prioritization. Charlie, you've been in, we've been involved in the same denomination. You've led on those high levels. I have as well. And we saw the highest attended, in terms of just looking at pure raw statistics and data, we saw the highest number in 2003 in our national denominational gathering. And then since 2005, it has been on the decline every year since. Yeah, yeah there's definitely been a roller coaster. I mean, there's been a lot of factors, and I hear what you're saying, and we're, we are proponents of our denomination. We love it. We care about it and its leaders. Um, but you're right. There's been this roller coaster of up and downs. There's been some jump backs up. You know, there's, there's a lot of factors, but I think what you're saying, Jeff, that really speaks to my heart is we grew up when there was a director of youth ministry at the top of that cabinet level. And that said something. That that said something to the local church as well. And with that change, that said something as well. And that sounds redundant, but it, it, it just, I think that move hurt when it comes to the perception of how we care and value ministry to the adolescents i don't I don't think the people involved which are our dear friends yes. cared any less I'm not we're not saying that at yeah. all but when you demote that position organizationally it communicates something it absolutely does and like you said charlie we love and care about the people that we're talking about we can talk about it by name because we know them they're friends and with no ill intent, but sometimes there's these unintended consequences, and there's no simple answers to anything that we're talking about, but it's just, again, another factor. We also see this organizational restructure happen locally. Now, all of us here, we remember historically from being involved in youth ministry. On, on my radar, probably about 15 years ago, I remember this the idea of a family ministry model or a non-youth ministry model really becoming kind of the soup du jour at that time where it was like, you know, we don't need youth ministry anymore. Youth ministry is not working. Family ministry is not working. And and this is something where we have seen on a local church level, the idea of family ministry play a role in 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 demoting youth ministry at a local church. Jeff... I mean, we're we're digging on this one, aren't we? I mean, this hurts when we think about all of our experiences because, again, and we've said this over and over and over, these factors are indicators of of things that we really value. And it, it is true that, that as we change their names and change the org chart and change the way that, that we position them, you know, within the context of our ministry, you know, it communicates and slowly but surely not intended. It's communicated that this is not as important. I don't know how else to say it, but it, it's it's we celebrate things that really matter to us. They're on the tip of our tongue. And for my growing up experience, it, it seemed like it was on the tip of the tongue of the church. And now it seems like it's not. 
And that restructure is just consolidating where you're just kind of regrouping. And now instead of being a, a specific expert in youth ministry, you're kind of trying to be a general, uh, generalized across the board in the church of like from birth until they get married. How do you be a expert in that? You know, in, in any area, you're just trying to figure it out. And when, and when you do that to somebody, there are certain people that, that can handle that very well, but you're not an expert to really dig deep into the issues of that age group. And so you take somebody that is really interested in, and more focused on adolescence, and now they have to deal with issues of birthing babies and, you know, trying to help moms that they're like, I have no idea what, what to do. You know, Jason, there's a reason we went from one-room schoolhouses to now elementary, middle, and high schools. Bam, right there. Because I think what churches, what we've done in the last 10 years is we've gone back to the one-room schoolhouse Boom. approach. It's not yep. working. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm waving my arms. I mean, the jack-of-all-trade and master of none. And then all of a sudden, it's like that's not happening in our school systems. They're doing the exact opposite. It's not happening at the hospital either. It's not happening in, in the music industry. I mean, everybody is focused towards the adolescent group, the porn industry, the drug industry, the music industry, social media. Everybody's like specifically focusing and targeting those groupings even more intensely than they did that. And to my knowledge ever. Yes. Right. And yet we're the ones that seem to be backing away and trying to generalize it. Yes. Oh, man, we could go on and on here, <laughs> but. But organizational restructuring and a lack of focus there is definitely a cause. Let's talk about another cause here. That's a cause that we're going to call negative press. Here's what that means. Ministry leaders openly talking negative about the ministry, the local church, and the church in general. And this is something we've talked about here and there on this podcast in previous episodes. But I, I will tell you that there's an overall negative, accumulative effect when we see so many prominent leaders and and not so prominent leaders openly and i'm just going to pick one for example talking about social media as a platform that are talking and making statements like this for example uh this is why people are leaving the church in droves and they're posting this on their social media they're a pastor or a ministry leader of any size context, great or small. I've seen it all from local all the way up to the highest levels of national leadership. And other people are looking at this, and young people are looking at this and saying, why do I want to be a part of a movement that's shrinking, growing, and losing? In our podcast season two, Eddie and I did a, a, the opening episode on the state of the church and youth ministry, and, and very similar to this. And the bashing that of the church has to stop. The church is the bride of Christ. And we know that there's problems because people are part of it. Um, people make up the church. You and I make up the church. People listening make up the church. The, people have problems with people. And so address the problems directly with people that might have hurt you. But bashing the church is not okay. It's not biblical. And whether we like it or not, it is God's plan to reach the world. That's not my, I didn't make that up. You didn't make that up, Jeff. You didn't make that up, Jason. That's, we didn't write this. This is God. 
And so we have to be a part of it and be part of the solution. So yes, if you've been hurt, because all three of us have been hurt, but we've been hurt by people. That's right. That's right. And for for people to say, well, hey, we just need to be honest about the, you know, the things that are happening. I would say this. Okay, then throw out all your baggage and negativity about your marriage on your social media then because you're just being honest. You want people to know. And we there there's a certain amount of wisdom and discernment about what to say and what not to say. And I feel like a lot of ministry leaders just are not using great wisdom or discernment because people are watching us. And we are really, in many ways, failing in this area when it comes to the negative press about the church. And it's not about trying to hide things. Just Some things just don't need to be public. By bringing it to the world, it's not, it's not helpful sometimes. Sometimes you have to go to the source, but you're becoming a, a social media warrior and you think you've done something by bringing it to the world through the social media platform, but it really sometimes it needs to be a private conversation with somebody and you deal with it and that's it versus I'm going to air out my grievances online. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's talk about the next cause. We've got a couple more here and then we're going to get to some solutions. This next one, outdated, what we're calling outdated methodologies. Charlie, you talk a lot about this about strategy and tactics. Let's talk about this idea of just one of the reasons that's really causing youth ministry to suffer right now is some outdated methodologies. There, There is biblical precedent set by Jesus himself, how he cared about everyone. People didn't know him, people who were lost, people who were just um, wondering, and he cared about them. We, Whatever you call that, evangelism, outreach, it doesn't matter to me. It's something we must do. He cared about people gathering together to worship he discipled people which is spiritual development he he developed them in their gifts and talents and helped them understand what it means to be a leader and all of that combined is what it means to be a disciple and so those are the things that we should keep doing in student ministries youth ministries because that is our foundation tactics however change with the times Tactics are just the the when, what, where, and how, not the why. The why is biblical. Tactics are just the, those those things that we do that can change, and they're they're not meant to be these sacred cows. Tactics are are not meant to to last for a lifetime. They're meant to flex within the community context and the time that we live. I think it's okay to ask why on some of the things that we do. So the why doesn't change, but asking why should change. It should be, why are we doing this this way? And are we being intentional in how we do things in, in order to reach the students at where they're at? And, and again, it could be like, oh, we're just trying to be trendy. It's not about being trendy. It's just sometimes going, why is this a part of what we do? Is it effective? And we kind of pull the the hood up and look at the engine and go, all right, what, what's not operating optimally. So let, let, let me be specific here because some of you might be hearing this and you're going, okay, strategy tactics. Let's talk about in terms maybe that, that are in our everyday world. And I'll just say, so for example, a strategy would be attraction, outreach, evangelism. You could put some different labels on it. How do we reach students for Christ? How do we bring in students that 
aren't yet followers of Christ and and bring them in to a relationship with Christ. That's a strategy. That's a strategy that will be here and will be uh, working towards until it's all over, till Christ returns, till we're done. The tactics on how to do that over the years, in my thirty years of, of looking at youth ministry, I know one of the one of the tactics to reach students used to be, you have a gym in your church, you're going to reach students. They will show up if you have a gym or some kind of activity center. And then that kind of morphed into a student center. Student center, you know, for and and still that that tactic is still alive and it still works to a certain extent. And I know for a lot of times it was like, if you get athletes in your church, you will. That's a that's a tactic. That's a way to reach other students and you know, or or putting on a big event. Now, tactics change. The attractional model of a centralized youth ministry experience is different than what it used to be. I believe it still works in and, of it, in and of itself, but it's not like it was 10 years ago, five years ago, even two years ago. It's different. So the strategy of how do we reach students will be there. The tactics of how we do that, and that's, as we've been saying here, that's when you get into the sacred cows. Well, we've always done a big fall kickoff event because that reaches kids. Well, maybe, but you can't let those things become sacred cows because things change. Oh, I'd go you ahead, Jason. I was just going to say, and even even looking at your program itself and what you're focused on, and sometimes we can go, well, I want to keep it at a surface level because we're attracting new, either new believers or unchurched kids, and so I just want to keep it. Well, why don't we give them a picture of what the church is supposed to be like and actually what a relationship with Jesus is like so that we're attracting them to a, the reality instead of keeping it surface. And so... Maybe sometimes we we are afraid to go deeper in our programming because it's like, well, I don't want to scare them away. It's like, no, why don't you give them a true picture of what we are drawing them to? Have you ever been to Taco Bell and you know you hear the dung and all of a sudden you just change your direction, you turn your car around and uh, you you get into Taco. I mean, because I support it, I support Taco <laughs> Bell, but I I I the. Locos taught that shell. Okay, I'm just being straight with you all. All right, but then when you try to get the everything burrito, I mean, or whatever, it's like you put everything in just one thing, and it's like, oh, that's going to be great. You just add it all and, and wrap it up and deep fry it, and, <laughs> bro, I'm good to go. And it's not that great. In, in, in ministry, you, you can't accomplish everything in one night, in one hour, and that's why as we're thinking tactically, there's nothing wrong with having things that, that quote unquote are attractional. And then, then at another time and place where, where you're in this context of worship with the word in other contexts, you're going deeper in discipleship. You're developing people in leadership. It's when all those things are working together and are planned together with purpose that you get what you just talked about, Jason, you see the beauty of the whole because that's what Jesus did over and over and over. There was times where they didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing, but they, they watched, and he showed them how to do it. That's right. All right, we've got one more cause you're going to talk about, and that's what we're calling ministry complexity. So ministry complexity has to do with all the different swirl that's happening, especially right now as we record this in terms of what is happening in culture, what is happening in the world, in the minds of students when it comes to 
things like ethics, morality, politics, the division in the church, all these things that are factors in making ministry to students incredibly more complex than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. The complexity of what a student is dealing with, what they're exposed to, what their everyday world is like. You add in the breakdown of the family unit, so students' level of time commitment and busyness and smartphones, technology, the information age. Cram that all together with the, the pressures of social media and and all the the anxiety that's happening in the world. You know, dab a little bit of COVID in there, and it just creates this recipe for complexity that we haven't seen yet in ministry to adolescents. I was walking through a high school uh, just two weeks ago and kind of connecting with some of our students and, and connecting with some high school students who were very open about what you're talking about, Jeff, and not even being comfortable enough in their own high school context to, to really talk about their faith in Jesus Christ or their commitment or their attendance or their involvement or their anything that had to do with, with the church because they didn't want to be offensive. That's tough. Yeah. That is difficult. And, and that is, that is what they're facing. Like we never faced, you know, what almost like there's this fear we're frozen of, of making it saying anything or taking any steps because we don't want to offend somebody. And that that is something we never knew growing up. I mean, it was pretty basic, straightforward. In fact, if you didn't get to church or go to youth group, you got uh, yelled at by your parents. And they told you what you're going to do. And that has drastically changed. Where now you have 13-year-olds making decisions for what they're going to do, what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, what they're going to listen to, what they're going to watch how they're going to live, and that's a lot of pressure. Well, we've had a significant conversation here talking about the causes. In our next episode, we're going to talk about solutions, what we can do to turn the tide. I think we can talk about all these issues, and I think we can be very critical or come across as very critical. And it, it being a critic is easy, mm-hmm. but as we are looking toward the next episode of the solutions, I think that's also vital to what's happening in youth ministry. We don't just come at this with all these critiques and we can identify in hindsight is 2020 and look at what's going wrong and all that stuff, but we wanna be able to provide solutions as well. I'm glad you said that, Jason, because it's, uh, there's a lot of pain right now in, in this conversation because I, I'm so grateful for my home church and the denomination that loved me and, and supports me even today and we are so grateful there's so much gratitude that we have so when we are having these conversations it is tough it is difficult to even talk about it and i i even feel the intensity right now even sitting here um as we process all of this and so i am so grateful that the solutions are are the possible the positive is coming up next so you've got to listen to the next episode or or you just end up being really discouraged so we want you to join us in this next episode with charlie we're going to talk about solutions to this 
concept of the church basement is burning. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.